our podcast this week. It's a case of Ray glances to camera all round as Martin Freeman, Tim from The Office, Bilbo from The Office, A Bag and Workplace and Everett K. Ross from The Office, a Wakandan workplace, pops by to talk his new horror movie, Cargo. All that and the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that is so jet-lagged it's asked Siri to step in and host. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast. All right, that's enough of that. Hello, Pod. <laughs> I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast. Thank you, Siri, for that cameo. Brought to you by this wonderful pizza, Sky Cinema, the dedicated home for movie lovers. Uh, later in the show, I will be pointing out a couple of movies you can watch in Sky Cinema. Just two movies from the thousand-plus films that are available on demand on Sky Cinema including a brand new premiere every single day. How exciting. It's exciting. I'm excited. Jet lag. I've barely slept this week. Yeah. Barely slept, which is why I asked Siri to step in for me. And you know what? I'm going to ask Siri to step in once again for the introductions, uh, because this week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Aren't I, Siri? Tell us about them. The 31st of May 2018, 1548. Plot to have Helen murdered. What? She no, what? The Winchester boys, especially with their shirts off, a this... while safe war FNAR. And what? Then there's Nick the Semyon. Am I saying that right, Nick? Uh, yes, Siri. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Siri, Siri's the first uh, person to say uh, it right. I, 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 for one, hail our new robot. <laughs> Hang on, can I, can I pause this, this horror show? Yeah. Siri is a man? On my phone, yeah. Siri, are you yeah. a man? Uh, no, no. It'd be his voice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. Going to turn on for you. Hey Siri, are you a man? I am Siri. Oh, Oh. what? This is a last-minute twist, straight (laughs) out of you know, Desperate Housewives. Wow. For one thing. Oh my God. Um, You mean straight out of Designated Survivor? I think you'll find Nick. I think it's more like a twist out of Desperate Housewives, Chris. No, it's more like a twist, surely, out of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, We're talking about the great TV shows are occupying us at the moment. Nick is deeply, deeply into Desperate Housewives. It's hard to say why. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm only one episode in, but it's it's got me by the Jaffas. Um, I'm you're, also watching Moonlighting. In your, during your day job, or...? I don't, you're an idiot. Um, I, I just don't know why. I, I thought I'd watch a bit of pre-Die Hard Bruce. They're going to fall for each other. Are they? What? what? According Spoiler. to the, the, oh, the artwork Lord. for season three. Um, <laughs> According to every article ever written about 80s TV. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, it's good. I, I recommend it. And the trope, the moonlighting problem. It's, oh, uh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. The moonlighting problem is there's too much of it. And I'm a bit bored. Uh, Hells Bells, you're watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? I watched. Season four? I've, yeah, I've literally watched it all last night. This is the last season, isn't it? Um, or is there one more to This come? is only the, the first half of, okay. of the season. So there's, there's more. All right. Thank goodness. Uh, I'm... Yeah, I've missed it. It's good. What, what's it about? What's happening? Um, uh, Kimmy is working for an internet startup because they thought she was probably the only person who can talk to people who work there. But while she can talk to people, she still doesn't understand people. So she's still a terrible, terrible choice for that job. Okay. Um, there's a great Tom Hanks Nazi joke in there, um, <laughs> which is just worth watching the season four on its own. Sold. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. Sold. It's a show I kind of stopped watching a little bit, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I need to get back into it. It actually is one of those ones that benefits hugely from repeat viewings. Like, I've picked up on so many more jokes when I've just, like, wanted something 20 minutes long to watch before bed or something and gone back and watched an episode. Um, There's a a robot that crops up, like, the whole way through for the the last couple of seasons. Every episode, somewhere, there's a robot. Um, really? Yeah, and I didn't even notice that the first watch through. And there's there's a lot of very quick little asides that are just wonderful. Such I enjoyed Martin character. Short's character very much. Oh, he's always great, and and his um his special with uh, Steve Martin, which I know we both watched yes, last week. I watched it twice on the weekend. It's so good. It's so good. It's so funny. Two words: human bagpipes. <laughs> My, <laughs> Martin Short is awesome. He's really six, sixty-eight years old. And as I've learned this year, there is no bad GIF. Featuring Martin Short. If you go to some kind of GIF generator, GIF mm. generator, GIF, GIF, Gener- generator, um, it's, it's a it's, it's a GIF. It's no, it's, it's a the GIF, GIF that keeps GIF on giving. Martin yeah. Short is the GIF that keeps on giving, and uh, there are amazing Martin Short gifts. Yeah, yeah, he's he's extraordinary. So this is uh, what's what's it called? It's just called. It's called. Two, not, why is it not called the Two Martins? It should have been called the Two Martins. Uh, it's called something better. I think it's called something along the lines of an evening you will forget for the rest of your life. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, I have forgotten. Um, that. And it's only an hour long, and it made me laugh a great deal. 
a yeah. lot. So Steve Martin and Martin Short kind of doing their thing, a little bit of like a little bit of banter, but mm-hmm. not Mike Reed, Chevy Chase, car crash banter, actual no good banter, proper yeah. rehearsed banter. <laughs> you know, they don't take each other by surprise with their anecdotes. There's, Martin a, Short. Cu- there's a couple of surprises I think in there. There's there's one bit where <laughs> Steve Martin cracks up at something Martin Sheen, uh, Martin Short says. Martin, Sheen, they, Martin, Martin Sheen's Sheen's it as well. Wow. They both say a very rude word, which is awesome. But yeah, as Martin Short <laughs> says, flipper. as Martin Short says in it. Uh, hanging out with Steve Martin is like deliverance. It's all fun and games till the banjos come out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just it's true because it does. It showcases their versatility. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix and it's great. So they have they have a bit of stagecraft, bit of jokes together on stage. Then Steve Martin will leave the stage and let Martin Short take over. And Martin Short is just this <laughs> born wonderful ham of a guy. And you're watching him doing this and you're thinking, why isn't his movie career better? You know, why hasn't he made more classic films? He starts off with Three Amigos and it's pretty much downhill from there. Off the but back, of, off so the back of watching this, I have rented Captain Ron. I have not yet watched it, <laughs> I, but I have, I'm saving it for the weekend. You are it was, in... I, I, I did a search for Martin Short films on iTunes and that was the mm. least objectionable looking. Oh, I don't know. There's but... one where he plays like an 11-year-old boy. Have you seen that yeah, one? That's a bit no. Wrong. But no. he's, I, I love him in Father of the Bride. I love both of them in yes. Father of the Bride, but he is, as Frank, he is quite astonishing. Yeah. Th- that accent yes. has, has never been matched. Or deciphered. Or deciphered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By anybody. Yeah. Uh, Siri would have his or her work cut out with, with that accent. He's the best bit of inherent vice, I would say. He's, oh, yes, he is. He's great in that. The thing about Martin Short, he's pretty much the best bit of almost everything he's in. Uh, my wife didn't really know a lot. Oh, here we go, drink again. Um, <laughs> my wife didn't really know a lot of a lot about him when we were watching the, the show. And I was, I went, well, you, you haven't seen him in Arrested Development? Or do you remember him from Arrested Development? And so I, I found on YouTube like a three-minute mm. compilation of his character, Uncle Jack from Arrested Development. <laughs> and just that three minutes alone is so three of the funniest the, videos you'll see all, all year. The plastic surgeon in Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Oh my, oh so my God. So Seeing yeah. as this is turning into the Martin Shaw podcast, I'm going to do a quick <laughs> plug for his amazing book, uh, My Life as a Humble Comedy Legend. <laughs> and I swear, that book has the funniest quotes from other comedians, like recommending it. You know, when you have a little quote from people recommending the book on the, on the dust jacket, there are some genius ones from like Steve Martin and all kinds of people. It's it's a very good book. Wow, fantastic! Yeah. You met him, didn't you? You um, we did. Uh, when you, you still reunited the, the three amigos, still think that is the best thing I've got to do for Empire. It is, is the best thing you've got. Sitting to do. around the table with uh, if if Mike Reed had been there, it would have been even better. <laughs> but um, yeah, sitting around the table with the three amigos and John Landis and, and the Invisible Swordsman was there. The right? Invisible Swordsman was there. Yep, <laughs> Chevy Chase was wearing no trousers singing that, bush? during that interview. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't look that closely. <laughs> I set him up. And Nick fumbles them over. <laughs> I'm the Martin Short of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. I have long said you should have quit after that. Uh, I've, I've long been urging you to have. You have been, actually. You did have a petition yeah, and everything. Yeah. I did, I was yeah. surprised how many yeah. signatures you got. 35. 35 <laughs> when he, signatures. When he actually went to your boss with, with the suggestion as well, that was... That was that was really. Uh, yeah. It showed his commitment. I think I think you should. Uh, yeah, I think you should force quit Nick. Is what I <laughs> yeah. is what I said. I, I take it as a compliment. Yeah. Anywho, that's not the question. The question right. was. Uh, <laughs> we, do have, we do have a question this week, and um, and hello, I'm back in charge of the podcast, and uh, <laughs> it's as focused as ever. Uh, how was it last week, Helen? I, I'll confess, I didn't listen to it. Did you? Did you corral oh, everyone? Okay. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, you know, just the, the compliments have flooded in. People saying it, it made them cry, it made them laugh. Uh-huh. Um, one person fell down dead actually listening to it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Won wow. a couple of awards. You know, it was fine. Nick has a, a fun story, don't you, Nick? Do I? Yeah, you do. What's the, what, for the answer to this question? No, about last week's podcast, about having heard it in an interesting setting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. I was in Brighton at the weekend. I think I built this up so much. This story will change your life, okay? This story will change your life. Nick, please, no pressure. Do we have a drum roll sound effect? We don't have a drum roll sound effect. I was in Brighton at the weekend. <gasps> Good start. Um, the sun was out. It was a glorious day. Were your guns out? They were not out. I was sitting in a garden of uh, the house of my friend Singing when English. I heard Helen's voice. <sighs> and I was like, what? Why is Helen here? But it wasn't Helen there. It was Helen coming out of somebody's speaker no. in the house next to my friends. That's terrifying. They were listening to the Empire Podcast. I should clarify. They haven't like, <laughs> secretly taped you. But it was cool. Did you get a sense they were enjoying it? Or was it like, what's this nonsense? Where is Chris? It yeah. seemed to go down quite well. Yeah, there was no applause. This but... is better than Chris. This is better than that time that <laughs> idiot hosts the one who rambles on for ages. But it was nice. It was my first time hearing the podcast out in the wild. Mm. 
that's cool. It that's sounded cool. good. Uh, on the tube, I will often go up to people if they're listening to something on their headphones and just lift the check. headphones off and just check, check what, yeah. what are you listening to? What are you listening? Scream, where's yeah. the handle? Um, I met two people at Warner Brothers when I was there for a screening during the week who were podcast listeners. Hello to you. I've forgotten your name. Warner and Warner. Yeah. Yeah. Helen doesn't forget, doesn't remember the little people. She has no time. <laughs> she uh, as oh. you she elbowed, has no time. As you elbowed them out of the way. They weren't little. They, they were well over six feet tall. Oh, so, you know. mm, Okay. Anyway, so yeah, good job last week, Helen. Thank uh, you. I am on iTunes at the moment, and Helen Sucks sixty four <laughs> says uh, awful uh, spelled O F F A L. Helen Sucks S U X. Get the Irish guy back A S A P P two P's. Uh, also hashtag force quit Nick. Now I don't know who um, I don't well, know who posted I mean, that. We have to decipher some of that. Yeah, I, well, I, we could probably check. Actually, let me have a look. It seems to be. Seems to be coming from Christopher. We don't have time, Hewitt, Helen. We have a time for this week's question, which comes from Twitter, and it is at Ace Davies twenty three, and he asks: Given Chris's near miss with Scott Adkins and the recent "Where's the handle?" mauling of Peter Dinklage, which celebrity are you most worried about interviewing? Given previous comments slash jokes slash impressions slash unfavorable reviews, <laughs> well, yours has to be Peter Dinklage, right? Because he is <laughs> he is point. surely out for blood. <laughs> He's got he's got the axe and the handle, and he's heading yes. your way. Yeah. Uh, I'd be I'd be slightly worried about Peter Dinklage, yeah. Not because I, I I don't think for a second that Peter Dinklage is aware of this podcast or that we've been ripping the piss out of him for the last three weeks vis a vis Avengers Infinity War. Sure, not the rest of his his body of work. No, fantastic. Pixels body of work. is very strong. Love Pixels the stage is strong. Agent, which stage is agent, yeah. great in elf. Mm-hmm. We've established this. He's also in Game of Thrones. But I am worried that, you know, people might have, the people listening to this will have heard that and then they'll be like... You think, it'll, I, you think it'll get to him on the, like, somebody on the Game of Thrones set? Possibly. Podrick or, or possibly. one of the lesser wildlings will have, will have heard it and then well, we'll Podrick. pass it on down the yeah. line. <laughs> yeah. And he'll hear about it. Yeah, that's and exactly it. He's yeah. Only, Ravens he's, they're fly only really an, fast. They're only in Ireland and yeah. Uh, yeah. it's not that far away. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly worried about that. Uh, I'm also slightly worried about because, quite frankly, I'm uh, enough of a hypocrite that I would interview him and just go, "Hi, you were brilliant in Avengers: Infinity War," and just tell us about that and not mention the fact that I thought he was terrible. Can I say for the record, I really yeah. like him in, in Infinity War. I don't. So oh. hate him at all. I'm going to balance this out. Oh, I'm going to balance this out. Oh, how, how, I'm bringing yeah. balance to the. Don't forget the, the check franchise. Don't forget to check a rear view mirror when you're reversing, Nick. I, it's, I've uh, said yeah. my my position on this has been very uh, consistent. Yeah, mine too. Actually, that yeah. I enjoy I all of the action based into play in that film I, d- I do object to the use of the word Stormbreaker because I was on set of that film and met some v- people who were not very nice so you know but mm. apart from that sorry say I, again I was on set of Stormbreaker oh I think you meant you were on set of Infinity War and you no. met people who had worked with Stormbreaker no. and they weren't very nice no 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 no, no. And I'm I was sure about they're to... lovely I mean all the props people and such who made mm. Stormbreaker and obviously Chris Hemsworth is lovely we've met him so Okay. I mean, it does it does happen occasionally because we do interviews and we write reviews. And I think when you do that, there's yeah. always going to be a few uh, kind of moments where you're thinking, I really hope this person hasn't. <laughs> so, for instance, I reviewed All the Money in the World, which I really enjoyed, apart from uh, Mark Wahlberg's performance, which I didn't think was quite as good as the rest of it. And I said <laughs> so in my review, uh, especially about him putting glasses on whenever he says exposition. And uh, <laughs> then I interviewed Mark Wahlberg not shortly afterwards, pretty, mm. pretty soon afterwards. And... Mm. Um, he clearly hadn't read my review. Of course, he hadn't. But of course not. Of part course of me, not. part of me, worried I was going to get a kind of a Wahlberging. So I try and be a little bit more responsible now, uh, which is why for the last three weeks I have been hazing Peter Dinklage <laughs> relentlessly for his performance in Avengers: Infinity War. And the weird thing is, Helen, you say that you like him in that role as well, but I don't think you do. I have tape here from a podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. See if let's just see if we can remember this, Helen. I, Helen O'Hara, <laughs> declare that I think Peter Dinklage is terrible in Infinity War. I don't remember, Do you remember that. that. I mean, no. that, that does sound exactly like you. D- does yeah. it? Gosh. Yes. It's, uh, I guess it's one of those things where your own voice in your head sounds different to the way it does <laughs> yeah. when recorded. I mean, you probably, the evidence is incontrovertible. You probably think you sound like this, Helen. I, Helen O'Hara, what declare that I think Peter Dinklage is terrible in Infinity War. <laughs> it's O'Siri. <laughs> is that a Friday? Have <laughs> you got a Friday on your iPhone? That's amazing. All right. So I uh, I was fiddling around with 
<laughs> with my phone today because I, I thought, oh, I, I, I genuinely am really jet lagged and I'm not sure that I'll be able to like get through the whole podcast. So it would be quite fun to have Siri do the podcast for me. And I was looking into ways to do that. And I've discovered that there's a load of voices on here, on, on your on your iPhone for Siri. There is Australian Siri, there's English Siri, there's all sorts of series. Uh, the, the voice that you heard at the beginning is called Daniel. <laughs> that's Daniel then there's Siri Female there's Serena Oliver there's Australians there's uh, Moira from Ireland Abigara. Uh Tessa from South Africa uh, loads of Americans uh, so yeah that's uh, wow. that's a lot of fun so that was Moira you heard uh, there I, I thought it was yeah yeah, yeah it was um, anyway so yeah have you, have you uh, annoyed anyone? I don't th- think I have I tend not to be terribly personal in my reviews I certainly try not to be personal um, because I, I reckon a bad film is usually not one person's fault um, sometimes it is if it's a sort of auteur and I've probably gone a bit for the director at that point, but they've all got egos big enough to take it even if they read it, so it's fine. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think I have. I do remember I had to do um, video interviews for Anonymous, which regular listeners will know I hate with a burning passion. Um, and uh, But I, had, I don't think I'd reviewed it. I don't think I'd written the review. So nobody knew I hated it with a burning passion. And I was able to go into those interviews and honestly in the small talk beforehand, say that I liked people's performances. I had no problems with their performance. I just had a problem with everything they wanted to say. So um, there was an awkward section of zero small talk with Roland Emmerich um, because I had nothing nice to say to him about the film. <laughs> Lost, yeah. Than I could think of. But, you know, I tried my best not to actually be dishonest. Last year, um, a few of us went to watch a preview of quite a big movie that wasn't very good. And we got ushered straight out of the screening to meet the director. And I'm not going to name the name, but um, that was super awkward because we're all looking at each other going, oh, we don't want to say anything too nice because you don't want to like give the, you know, the make them think yeah. that you're going to like give it a good review because we w- weren't going to. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't just stand there and not say anything. Yeah. So it, I, I think I said something along the lines of that looked like hard work to make. <laughs> You've been, you, I I'd like to think I said it more sensitively than that, but I don't think I did. That was hard wow. to watch. I imagine <laughs> it was hard. To, I think I said that must have taken a really long time. I bet you're glad you're finished. Um, and I, it was it was super awkward. Uh, but it's that, it's that old thing, isn't it? You just got to be you got to be professional about these things, and uh, and desperately, desperately hope that they're not listening to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I want as many people as possible to listen to the podcast. The the, uh, the Scott Atkins thing, and Scott, if you're listening, hello again, and thank you for not killing me. Uh, the Scott Atkins thing was really surprising because back in the early days of the podcast, it, particularly, I think we all thought no one was listening and we could speak with impunity. And whatever we said <laughs> would never get back to never. whoever we were. We don't badmouth people on the Empire podcast. Every day is Christmas Eve, but... Now and again, <laughs> now and again, we made something that's less than, less than generous. Shall so, we say that? Sometimes on Christmas Eve, you see a package that you're pretty sure is socks. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and that may not thrill you. Or, or just a poo in a box. <laughs> you can tell because the box is, the box is a box. So you can't tell, but when you shake it, it, there's a kind of a lumpen sound come from within, and quite frankly, the smell has permeated the packaging. Yeah. So, you can tell. Uh, so the fact that Scott Atkins listened to the podcast and called me out on Twitter was a bit of a shock and I've been on my best behaviour ever since uh, apart from of course the last three weeks where I've been relentlessly hazing <laughs> Peter Dinklage if Peter Dinklage comes on the podcast how do you think I should handle it? Oh no! Handle! <laughs> no! Chris, I'm not no. going to I'm Don't not going it. to I'm not going to Don't do it Chris I'm not going to Don't do it I'm not I know you're not I'm not Are you? No you have control. Yes, you're an adult person. I, I, I genuinely believe Chris is not going to yell it. It's he's not going to do it. <laughs> he's a bigger man. I'm, I'm an adult person. I am in control of my actions. My actions do not control me. Helen, you were saying. <laughs> Helen, <laughs> I feel like I'm on the world's worst roller Helen. coaster. Hi. It's totally fine. Everything's fine. Chris. Everything's fine. Please continue. I would be honest that you something about that line struck you as funny mm-hmm. and it became a little bit of a catchphrase of yours for a while. Okay. I would blame exhaustion. <laughs> I would learn to handle jet lag, personally. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you handle jet lag? 
Um, I'm quite disciplined with when I sleep on the plane and stuff, depending on which way I'm going. So you don't sleep on when you're flying west, and you do try to sleep when you're flying east. Mm -hmm. Stay up until you know nighttime, and on the day that you get there, try to get out in the fresh air and do some exercise. Mm -hmm. That's kind of it. Good advice, Helen. Thanks. Very, very good advice indeed. Oh God. If you want to have your question read out in the Empire Podcast, contact us on Twitter at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast or we won't see it. Or you can Facebook us. Uh, we're Empire Magazine and you can email us as well, podcast at empireonline.com. This is a hate crime. As Moira might say. Should we have some movie news? Let's talk about some movie news. Mm-hmm. What has been happening in the world of movie news? Well, should we start with the big one? Big, big, big story. Which okay. is a big, big one. James Marsden headlining the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. We have different definitions of big. <laughs> I think you misheard me. Sonic the Hedgehog movie. James Marsden. I, I do enjoy James Marsden. He is, he is a dependable comic presence. I assume mm-hmm. this is a comic movie. Am I, is that correct? It is about a blue hedgehog. It's, so. uh, it is an animated movie. No, a combination of live action and CGI. Right. That doesn't bode well. It doesn't generally bode well. I'd no, like to I mean, see... Paddington worked out quite well, though, so maybe... I would like to see an actor attempting to do a live-action Dr. Robotnik who could do that. That's <laughs> poor Giamatti, surely, isn't it? Oh, oh I know, I know. I'll get you, Hedgehog. <laughs> oh, I want those rings. <laughs> um, is this a good idea? No, it's a terrible I mean, idea. It's a terrible but, idea. Um, but... it's, uh, no, sorry. Every day Christmas Eve. We do not badmouth anything on the Empire podcast. I apologise. Lest Sonic the Hedgehog is interviewed on the <laughs> podcast and gets a head up. Look, it's a terrible idea, but so was the Lego movie, and that yeah. worked out really well. So, so you're saying this is going to be great. Um, I've got uh, that on the record. Uh, I don't think I guaranteed anything, but certainly, you know, it's it's there in the wrapping paper under the Christmas tree. Mm. So, um, yeah, there were, there were rumours earlier in the week that Paul Rudd was going to be playing this role, but no, James Marsden has swooped in and uh-huh. grabbed it off him. Maybe and... there's singing. <laughs> we haven't done a lot of Paul Rudd singing films. So. Okay. Maybe it's a musical. Sonic musical. Yeah. Probably not. I, I, I somehow suspect that Paul Rudd is not at home kicking the cat about this. He's, he's, he's not, he would never kick the cat. Of course he wouldn't. Can we just say no. that? Absolutely clear. Well, Paul unless, Rudd would never do that. Maybe cat kicking is what has kept him young. And indeed, <laughs> ageing backwards. How do we know? Um, That's not his secret. Wow, this is a, this is a bold direction, Helen. <laughs> the Empire uh, Podcast does not endorse cat kicking. Unless no. it is proven to make you young. <laughs> no. Even then, even no. then, even then. No. Even then. Don't think I can be any clearer on this, really. We do not condone the act of cat kicking. I All didn't right? say we condone it. I'm just asking the question. But if Paul Rudd's doing it. If, but if Paul Rudd's doing it, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Kick away. Kick away. So Top Gun 2. Top Gun 2 is happening. Oh, are we done talking about something? <laughs> I, <can't laughs> right, okay. I think so. Uh, do, do you want to add anything? No, I have nothing to add. So Top Gun 2. <laughs> It started shooting today. Even yeah, now, even now, he, Tom Cruise is heading into the danger zone <laughs> with a brief pause at the catering table. Are we excited about Top Gun 2? Yes. Well-ish. Well, I rewatched Top Gun recently and was reminded how great at being Top Gun it is. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's arguably I mean? the best. It is. It is. As a, as a film that is Top Gun, it is It is super good. And, and I do think it caught a moment and it caught a... A tone that I think very few other films have done um, in a way that I really enjoyed, um, and and he's great as Maverick. Although I think I'm going to miss Goose quite a lot. R.I.P. Goose. Um, what spoiler? Oh, dude. Spoiler. Anyway, but I, I don't. We don't. We still don't know very much about it, do we? We don't know like who else is in it. There's, you know, do we? Maybe we do, and I just haven't. No, they've um, they have kept this thing under wraps. Uh, in fact, this wasn't even listed on the IMDb. I was checking just the other day. I can't remember why. I like to check up on what Tom Cruise is doing at, at any given moment. And in his upcoming projects uh, thingy on the IMDb, um, there was actually nothing. And I was a bit surprised because, especially for the last few years, he's been incredibly prolific. And he has just rolled from film into mm-hmm. film into film. And uh, he didn't seem to have anything on his dance card. And suddenly, out of the blue, we knew this was going to happen, but I think we were... I think we've mm. we've all been taken a little bit by surprise just by how quickly it has happened. Mm. Top Gun Maverick is what it appears to be called, mm. and um, yeah, at the moment, literally the cast list on the IMDb is Tom Cruise Maverick. It could be a one man show. It could be. But Val Kilmer has um, has been. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but mm. he has been petitioning hard to come back via Twitter 
and he tweeted, I think it was last year, um, saying, uh, I just got offered Top Gun 2. Not often you get to say yes without reading the script. Mm. And then shortly after that, he retracted it, saying, I jumped the Top Gun. Then after that, he tweeted a photo of himself wearing an Iceman t-shirt with the words, still got it, just saying. So he, <laughs> Val Kilmer really wants wow. to be in this film. That's a roller coaster ride, Val. Wow. So I, I, put, I him in, put him in the film. Uh, yeah, I think they should. Um, I wonder if they were, are we going to presumably have a new. Oh my God. Oh, oh no. Comes blundering in like the T Rex. Oh, oh no. Uh, we've been joined by someone else who decided that they would just gate crash the podcast halfway through. Uh, let's give you a formal introduction in the style of the podcast. And James Dyer is also here, which is nice, I guess. So there we go. James Dyer is here. That's nice. Thanks, Chris. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jimbo. We're talking about, we talked about Sonic the Hedgehog. Do you have anything to say about Sonic the Hedgehog? I love Knuckles. Is that a character? Yes. Or is, is this a sex yes. life thing? He's an echidna. Again, I need some context here. Is this a character or a sex life thing? It, it, it's a character. He's a little red echidna called Knuckles. So the fox's um, tails. Who I believe for the fox's tails, and he has two tails. And he was introduced in Sonic Two, and I believe Knuckles was introduced in well Sonic and Knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So what else we talked about? We had uh, we talked about what TV shows we're watching at the moment. I didn't mention Designated Survivor, which I have been binging Ugh. all week, and it is. Unbelievable bollocks, but incredibly entertaining. <laughs> uh, Kiefer Sutherland in the White House as the president mm. uh, because the entire Congress is blown up and he is the designated survivor, so he becomes president. And it, it's, it's mean, like it's, it's filled. Jack seem... Ryan did it years ago. He mm. did, but not in the films. So Kiefer has swooped True. in and taken it. And I will say that this has really replaced Scandal because Scandal has finished now. And this has replaced the Scandal shaped hole in my life because Scandal was a White House set drama that was completely bollocks and had a, and went through what other seasons would, other shows would take an entire season to do in one episode and Designated Survivor does that and it is glorious and I'm 12 episodes in and I think they're done <laughs> I really do I think they're finished but it's going to carry on it's good because you can tell he's not Jack Bauer because he's wearing glasses absolutely yeah. you learned that from Mark yeah. Warburg yeah. He, he does say damn it about three times an episode but in a very very soft way almost remorseful <laughs> not damn it more of a damn it like that so what are you watching I, well not so much watching it's just very excited that um, Amazon has stepped in to save the expanse which had been cancelled by Sci-Fi. But this is very exciting news. Guillermo del Toro must be excited about this as well. I, I he tweeted no it's his favourite show. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. And so uh, season four of that will go ahead and it will be on Amazon. So, you know, rock on. Fantastic. All right, so that's good. And we were also chatting. The question this week was, how is there anyone that you're scared of interviewing given previous jokes about them, impressions uh, of them, uh, things you may have said about them, bad reviews, or just generally you don't like the way they look? Stanley, I cannot stress enough how irresponsible that is how disappointed in you I am <laughs> and let's just leave it at that I, you know what he's probably a lovely man and I'd probably get on very well with him but I hate his cameos so much and I've been so vocal in my hatred of his cameos yeah, um, yeah. my favourite Stanley cameo if one can be said to exist is uh, the one where he's played by Michael Peña in Ant-Man uh, I, 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 that's, the, that's the one that slightly makes me is that because he doesn't, he doesn't speak yeah yeah that's it. You're a monster. You're an absolute monster. The worst is the one in Guardians 2. Which no. is gorgeous. True believers. It's oh. missed out on the impression. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Excelsior. No, I think it's pretty good. I think it was Spider-Man 3 was the worst one. Which, what, 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 what war crime did he perpetrate in it that was, one? He, he tries to give Spider-Man advice and it's, it's just a very awkward scene. He's actually become a better actor since then. But the thing is, they're clearly not shot with the cast. Like, there's a bit when in um, in Age of Ultron, you know, he's one of the, kind of the vets drinking at the bar thing, and he's he's next to Thor, but he's clearly not there with Chris Hemsworth because there's these really obvious cuts when it goes to Stanley accepting a drink and then getting very drunk. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like Stanley because he's extremely pedantic when it comes to hyphens. Like is he? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I admire a pedant, a fellow pedant. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like Stanley because he created some of the greatest. Comic book characters of all time, and he's That's a, a good reason to like him. That's he's a, yeah. he's he's a, a better reason. Man. Helen, why ways. do you like Stanley? Um, I like Stanley. I think for the same reason you do, because um, he's really good, good at his job. Yeah, and I quite enjoy his cameos. I think they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. He has brought joy and happiness to untold millions. James, you have brought <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> in many ways, say what you've brought. You've brought us Sonic the Hedgehog echidna facts. Don't don't diss echidnas. They're awesome. Echidnas are awesome. Mm. I will, okay, I take I will it back. You and Stanley are equal. I mean, they're no pangolin. 
but, uh, but well, they're, they're pretty good. I thought there was a really funny thing on, uh, you know, because how Ben made up the pangolin in a previous podcast. Uh, I have since discovered the joy of the pangolin, and someone pointed out... He made up the pangolin? Yeah, I insisted it was a made-up animal. It's not, um, it's, a real, it's a real animal. Yeah, so I've discovered. Yeah. But uh, someone pointed out on Twitter that they, the way they hold themselves, they constantly look like some ageing vizier about to break some bad news to their liege lord. Like, oh, your majesty, the prisoners, I'm, I'm terrible, they've escaped. You know, they have this kind of sort of rubbing their palms thing. That person was Dana Schwartz. Was it? Mm-hmm. It was a great tweet. Well, I'm delighted that you're here. Uh, you've classed up the joint. <laughs> and in and no way derailed to be honest, Well, listen, I think, even objectively, I think this podcast was derailed more it than was, usual. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it, there have been no rails now for a while. This yeah. is like one of those kind of Keystone Cops things. So okay. the train has come off the track. It's still moving. But but like there's just disaster in its wake. Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about movie news. We were talking about Top Gun. What's, what's your feeling on Top Gun 2? Well, oh, I love a Top Gun. Very excited. Top Gun, colon, Maverick. Top Gun, Maverick. I'm I'm interested to know what kind of, you know, bland young people they're going to cast, because I'm worried they will be bland um, as the presumable incoming class to Miramar, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by that. And I hope they won't be bland. I want to know what the soundtrack is immediately. Uh, (laughs) That's that's really the make or break for me. It's, It's what is the soundtrack. So it has to be, what, halfway between Highway to the Danger Zone? Oh, it has to be playing with the boys. You know, I, I, there's no logins on it. I'm not playing. That's, that's the wow. Top Gun soundtrack was the first album I ever bought. Wow. M- mine was uh, London Nights by the London Boys. Good but Lord. the less we say about that, the better. <laughs> also, we have to figure out what sport will they be playing topless on the beach now? Yes. I mean, is it going to Chess. be Quidditch? You know, what, what do Quidditch. the young people play? It needs I, shirtless. Be, no, it'll be them all sitting around shirtless playing Fortnite on the PS4. I think that's, that's my understanding <laughs> of what young people do today. So. Why would they oil themselves up to do that? It just I makes mean, no sense. Why, why do millennials do anything? Yeah. It needs some motorbike action. It frankly needs James Tolkien, who uh, you may know best as Mr. Strickland from the Back to the Future films. Um, he's still going, and uh, he obviously in Top Gun played yes. the extremely sweaty um, a sort of superior officer who spent most of the time staring at the blips on a radar screen, getting furious. Yeah, He needs to come back. He does. That's a deal breaker for me. <laughs> I'm with you on that. And Tim Robbins as Merlin. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and they should bring back Anthony Edwards. Whatever happened to that guy, Goose? He was so good in that movie. I mean, I stopped watching halfway through, but I assume he he survived. Everything right? went well for him, and he and Meg Ryan lived happily ever after. So Meg nice. Ryan, yes, I'd forgotten Meg Ryan was Mrs. Yeah. Goose. Yeah, yes, interesting. Good cast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, really good. Good cast. Joseph Kaczynski, obviously Tony Scott, sadly no longer with us. So Joseph Kaczynski's directing that. He's got a good eye. He's worked with uh, the cruiser before on Oblivion. So, fingers crossed for Top Gun Maverick. Indeed. But Tom, uh, Tom Cruise, I think, has got confused about what film is him because his tweet just said he feels the need for speed and obviously that's an entirely different franchise, so I don't know what he's I, talking about. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Well, no, he doesn't. He just says he feels the need. I mean, maybe he does. You yeah. think he, he needs a, the facilities. <laughs> is that... I feel the need, the need to be... <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about uh, two stories which are uh, interlinked, cells interlinked, and one is that Solo, a Star Wars story, underperformed according to expectations at the box office uh, around the world when it opened at the weekend. It made just over $100 million in the Memorial Day four-day weekend, uh, and that had box office prognosticators panicking and running around and doing that thing, going, ah, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And uh, it didn't do well at all worldwide as well. And some people are saying that this is the death of Star Wars. It's the end for Star Wars, which is obviously ridiculous. But I wanted to talk about that uh, and see what you guys think. Mm. I think that this is basically, this was bound to happen at some point. Now, not every single Star Wars film is going to gross a billion or a billion and a half or two billion. And some of them will be... Like some of the smaller, the lesser, the lesser grossing MCU movies, I think Marvel maybe don't expect Ant Man and the Wasp to make a billion dollars. Mm. Yeah, maybe the the problem here was 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 of perception that maybe this was expected to make a billion dollars and it ain't going to do that. I, I think if that was the perception, I think that's fundamentally flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, just because this is a film that, in the nicest possible way, nobody asked for, and um, you know, it, it just felt. A bit more cynical, I think, than the the new main trilogy, and even more than Rogue One, because I think Han Solo is just a bit first base. Well, I've been saying this for years as a as a Star Wars spin off, and I don't think anybody needed to know that story. And the people who did would have been happy with a paperback book that they bought in the eighties. Um, so I feel like th- this one in particular, there wasn't maybe the appetite for it, and of course the you know all the the 
maybe the trailers and stuff hadn't done a good enough job of mm. selling. They didn't. What no, was there? You're quite right. So I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a bad sign for episode nine. I don't think it's anything to do with episode nine. It's mm. also only five months since our last Star Wars. That I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah. It's just Star Wars fatigue. It's, it feels like the Last Jedi was only just in cinemas, and I just don't understand why they didn't launch this in December. It makes it makes no sense to me. It seems far too soon. And it is an incredibly inessential film, just in terms of, exactly what you're saying? It's just, no, no one needs to see this. It's loads of fun, but it's not essential by, by any mm. stretch. I guess maybe there was enough kind of scuttlebutt, you know, stuff going around about the troubled production that if they pushed it back another six months, that would only intensify. I can they, only assume that's the reason. Yeah. I think they should never have scheduled it for a, for a summer release. They should do them a year apart, unless they're planning to ramp up to doing two Star Wars films a year, in which case, obviously, you shuffle stuff around as much as you want. But if you're doing one a year, stick to 12 months between them. And also, if you're doing more than one a year, then you have to be prepared for some to be massive underperformance yeah. relative yeah. to... So not, not every... Franchise. Because the, the price tag, the alleged price tag for Solo is hefty. And obviously that will in, factor in the, the reshoots, yeah, extensive yeah. reshoots after Ron Howard was brought on board to replace Lord and Miller. However, not every Star Wars film needs to be budgeted at a $150, $200, $250 million level. Well, this is maybe also what we've learned from other successful franchises and so on. And in particular, the MCU, which, let's face it, is the only successful interlinked franchise right now but what the what the mcu does successfully is to make their films feel a little bit different each time and one one could argue absolutely that they should feel more different but they have been different in terms of scale you didn't spend as much on a captain america movie the first one mm-hmm. as you did on the second iron man because you scaled appropriately to what you thought they were going to make and i think if star wars is going to ramp up or stay at this level you need to scale appropriately and you yeah. need to have a sort of almost a star wars bottle episode it is possible and <laughs> i think to do in that universe it should be possible you, yeah. the other the other thing that I I saw this week, uh, and I apologise, I've forgotten who wrote it. I think it was on Den of Geeks. Very good piece where they discussed uh, Solo's performance and said maybe the problem is that Star Wars as a as a general concept, aside from the main trilogy, isn't building towards anything. The MCU films, you know that there's a there's a plan behind them. So you, even if you don't know who Doctor Strange is, you think, oh well, I might want to see him before I see Avengers: mm. Infinity War in a couple of years. Um, there's there's mm-hmm, nothing mm-hmm. like that for Solo. There's there's no con- there's mm. no sort of comparable. It actually feels like Solo. it's going backwards. It's got backwards momentum mm. by yeah. going backwards in time, and so you're like, well, I want to see what happens after. And in yeah. a strange way, I mean, the the way to do that would be to have some artifact turn up in Episode Nine, a thing, and then have that turn up in a Knights of the Republic thing or a Solo yeah. or whatever you know, in your next spin-off film. There are ways to connect them through time and space, mm-hmm. but this certainly didn't really do that, apart now, from the characters. Also, I think we've talked about this in the podcast. I enjoyed Solo a lot. I thought it was a, uh, I, had a, I had a blast yeah. and a blaster with it. We're going to do a spoiler special for this. i got to really think about this a lot. But of the new Star Wars, I think this must be the most, for me, the most purely enjoyable of the four. Uh, it has flaws. It has big flaws. But I liked it a lot. I'm not saying it's great by any stretch of the imagination. I, uh, I think it's a three slash four star film. But uh, I enjoyed the heck out of it. And I think there's a lot of things that it gets right. But we've talked about this in the podcast from the off that there was no appetite for this movie. No. Uh, we want to see new Star Wars stories. We don't want to see old Star Wars stories. That's the thing. It didn't feel to me like it expanded the galaxy in any kind of way. There was no really memorable new characters that you can't wait to see again, like BB-8. The aliens were just a big nothing, I thought. Like, you know, at least Return of the Jedi brought in a whole new sort of species of aliens and they were a bit bold about it. Solo just felt like it was just, here's some stuff you like and a few forgettable other things. And I also thought they should have lent much more into the comedy and had, that's the other thing Marvel do really well is they have a very intense dark film and then they have like an Ant-Man, which is very funny. It's like a pure comedy or Ragnarok. Mm. Yeah. Solo seemed to me that could have been Ragnarok and they could have really lent into having it be funny and instead yeah. it's tried to go for the earnestness it as well. It feels a little bit like like, had they kept with the original directors, it yeah. would have been exactly what you're well, talking about. Yeah, we don't know how much of a pure comedy, but definitely I imagine it was much more of a comedy. And mm. I do think a really funny film with a young Han and Chewie running around getting into mishaps, I'd mm-hmm. much rather have watched that. Yeah, flying around, doing the Kessel Run to the Benny Hill music, it would have been, <laughs> would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, well, listen, we'll talk about this in the spoiler special as well, but one of the reasons I wanted to bring up is it's, it's underperformance, because it has underperformed, but the perceptions of that underperformance are interesting, I feel. Yeah. Because some people are saying that this is a backlash, a, a holdover from the ridiculous whining man-baby backlash against The Last Jedi. Mm. 
I don't think that's the case no. at all. Uh, I think there are some people who are boycotting Star Wars forever more. Get back in your basement, you losers. But for me, this doesn't affect this movie. I just think there's a general lack of appetite for this movie. And if they can go forward and make sure that not all the films are in the same budget range, then they should be okay, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about the news that broke last week before Solo came out, which is that James Mangold is going to direct, and Helen will love this. The next two stories are tailor-made for Helen. Uh, <laughs> one is that James Mangold is going to direct, although that may change, mm-hmm. the Boba Fett movie. That yeah. has been mooted for a long, long time. And again, we talked about this in the podcast about how there's no appetite for a Boba Fett movie. No. That that character, would none of us have a particular connection to him. Thought he was pretty cool growing up, but let's face it, he's rubbish. He flies off, gets eaten by a space worm, and get him you know, dead, get him dead, get him, and just just rubbish. But then James Mangold comes on board, and I go, hmm, I know. It, it, it really upsets me, and I said this on Twitter again, but uh, I know oh, don't I have recycle to... tweets, well, Helen. Gonna, Come out with your gonna. own opinions. No, this is my tweet. Um, oh. uh, I now have to struggle with the fact that I really respect and admire the work and, and general person of James Mangold and Danny Boyle. And I now have to just be okay with the fact that they're wasting their talents <laughs> on Boba Fett and Bond. Uh, two of the holy trinity of basic boy things that boys like with Batman. Batman, with who's going to Batman yeah. Bond, and Boba Fett. It's like, yeah. oh, you like those? Oh, oh, imagine wow, if amazing. they were all in the same film. Oh, oh, oh my oh, God. Oh, yeah. oh, wait a sec. So, <laughs> no, <me>. stop it. <laughs> oh. But the thing about Boba Fett is genuinely, and I find this because I've asked a lot of people why they love him as much as they do, and a lot of people do love him, and it entirely seems to come down to the fact that he was a cool toy. Cool toy. He just, he, On he's, screen, he's rubbish. He's got well-designed armour. He has a good aesthetic. That is the only positive of that character because he has no character. And they will all tell me, oh, he stands up to, he stands up to Darth Vader. He's the only person who stands up to Darth Vader. I don't care. Oh, no, he doesn't. He that. just That's, gives him some rip. Who cares? He's not good to me, dude. And uh, and then he falls in a pit and dies. And I don't care about the extended <laughs> universe anymore where he crawls out and has more adventures because it's not canon. <laughs> I don't have to. Um, yeah. But I probably do now. Yeah. Anyway, if they cast Taika Waititi, then I'm on board. You've been very potty mouth today, Helen. Yeah. Can I just say that it has offended me? I apologise, Chris. Thanks, Helen. Yeah, so Fett is the thing. That's, see, this was Josh Trank's film originally, wasn't it? It's the one where, if rumour is to be believed, they were going to announce at the celebration the year that I was there, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, that Josh Trank was going to uh, be doing Fett, and that would be... The, that we're going to announce that instead of Rogue One. Yeah, and then, uh, then, and then he... He tranked his own career. He did indeed. Yeah. He he tranked it, and uh, and that was the end of that. So I wondered whether they would get back to this, and sadly they Could have. this be good, though? Could this be good? Could this be Free Fire or Reservoir Dogs in Space, but with bounty hunters? But, it, look, Mangold's really good. We like him. Yeah, But the this problem is, is this. It has to be set before Return of the Jedi... When he gets eaten, it could happen in the Salak. And it has to be played by Tamara Morrison. That's that's those he, are the he, two things that have to be true. He doesn't, although Tamara Morrison is very excited about this news this week. <laughs> but no, he doesn't. He's I, a clone. I, I, they'll 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 find a way. They, they'll recast. They'll they'll retcon. They'll do something. You know, and they don't. I don't think he's going to be played by Tamara Morrison. Will they do a dread and um, keep his mask on? The not have helmet on. Yeah, maybe. Who knows. Perhaps. Who knows? I hope they do. But what's interesting about this is that this is exactly the sort of low-budget thing that they they need to do. They can do this at $20 million, $25 million, $30 million, whatever it is. But this does not have to be $250 million. Logan did not cost that much more than that. Actually. It did not. Well, no. What if so. it's even more low scale? Think. What about? What if it's like a knockabout comedy? It's one night at Jabba's, and it's a knockabout comedy, and it's him and Dengar pulling pranks on each other oh, at Jabba's palace. See, Dengar, that's the movie they yeah. should be doing. Dengar, the movie. I'm, I'm all for this. I but, pitched this last week. But my feeling is, and we'll get this into this in the spoiler special a bit more. But my feeling is that they are building towards something with these spin-offs. They are uh-huh. building towards. Uh, yeah, is it called Return of the Jedi? Cause... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that would be, it's a nice it's a nice goal to have, right? Yeah. Uh, but we're going to have Boba Fett. Yeah, we've got a Han yeah. uh, uh, origin story, which you know, if they make a sequel to that, and that ain't get, ain't a given anymore. Uh, but there's talk of a Lando spin-off. There's talk of Kenobi, and uh, Kenobi would be presumably on Tatooine, mm-hmm. which is where. Mm-hmm. A certain character may be going at the end of a certain spin-off. I don't want to say too much in case people can crack this code, but a certain, <laughs> a certain 
roguish smuggler may be heading to Tatooine yeah. to meet up with a certain they, sluggish gangster. A certain walking they, carpet may be certain, with yeah. him. Yeah. Can be no crossover between those characters. Why? Because they meet for the first time in Star Wars and I will have to burn the world down if they mess with that. Who meets for the first time in Star Wars? Han and, and, and Ben. No, 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 but Han, Han and Ben, yes, but, but Boba Fett and Ben can meet. Well, I mean, Lando and Ben can meet. All these characters can come in. So you don't have a solo sequel, but you do have Alden Ehrenreich yeah. and you know not Peter Mayhew turn up in the Lando movie or the Kenobi movie in the background, and not you know you can you can you can make it work. That's, That's what I think they're doing. That's, That's what I think they're doing. Anyway, anyway, Danny Boyle's doing Bond twenty five. Hooray! Hooray! Helen is already queuing. Yeah, Helen has bagsied this head visit. <laughs> bagsied. Yeah, it's amazing. It's going to be shooting up in Blackpool. <laughs> excited about that uh, honestly that's about as far as I'm willing to go for Bond so that's fine <laughs> <laughs> I kid but I mean if they, they want to send me to the Bahamas to cover it then I will just have to go but hey, the hardships this is a life we lead <laughs> the life we chose and there is only yeah. one guarantee none, none of, of us will, us will go to the Bahamas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it won't happen <laughs> Uh, so there you go we listened, we've talked about this in the podcast for a while that Danny Boyle has been linked with Bond 25 it was officially confirmed last week so we're all very excited about it and, and we didn't go with the headline that I suggested Boyle's in the bag so you know I think that was an, an open goal that we missed <laughs> that's, a, that's brilliant that's really good you've redeemed yourself two more things to talk about very okay. very quickly one is the news that Andrew Lincoln seems set to leave The Walking Dead in season 9 what? of The Walking Dead yeah. so Rick Grimes I mean yeah. is there anything much more left for him to do Frankly, I'm surprised he hasn't done it earlier. Yeah. Uh, because there's been all these stories that he put his movie career on hold. He won't take movie jobs, apparently, during while he's filming The Walking Dead, even when they're on hiatus. Mm. So Norman Reedus is like doing his show and making movies. The left, right, and center, Lauren Cohen's doing the same. But, uh, but um, Andrew Lincoln says no. So maybe he wants to get his movie career back on track uh, mm. or on track. And well, he might just be bored. He's been doing he it a be long bored. time. He possibly is bored of Atlanta, like being out there all the time. How can you be bored um, with Atlanta's got the world of Coca-Cola? It's where Anchorman 2 was shot. How could you possibly be bored with I that? Know. I see what you're saying. I was in a really big target there when I was there as well, like really good selection of Oreos. I well, mean, it's, it's a wonderful place. Well, okay. Uh, but let's assume that he's not into Oreos and there's a possibility that there he's There are also quite good like... barbecue restaurants. Mm, okay. <laughs> Absolute weirdo. So it was weirdo. strange. You've come in here and you've upset you've upset everybody. Apologize. Yeah. I mean, apart from Nick, I, who isn't I, paying attention. Apart from Nick, who's playing on his phone, I'm still yeah. a bit upset um, about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, he so he won't take on movies. Whereas Lenny James has gone straight from doing a full season of The Walking Dead to doing a full season of Fear the Walking Dead. So he is up to his arse in zombies. <laughs> a very busy man. It's a bad place to be. Yeah, I'd be interested. I, honestly, I, I, I would like it if they didn't kill him off. I would like it if they just let Rick Grimes walk off at the sunset uh, and then kill him off off screen. But not. I don't want. To, I don't need to see. Zombie. Frankly, Rick. not that I'm watching it. But if I were to watch it, I don't want to see Rick Grimes eaten alive by a pack of zombies. <laughs> Call me old fashioned. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the only person still watching this. Yeah, show. I, I checked out. I think two years ago, maybe three years ago. I just yeah, like Negan, Negan. It's the grind yeah. of this show that yeah. there is no end. How do they end this thing? It just carries on until yeah. they get bored and stop it or it stop, people stop watching it, enough people. It's, it's really um, bleak. But I just find it just, there's no, there's no possible happy ending. There's no possible resolution to any of it. But it's, it's talking about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the Walking Dead. The thing it's with The Walking Dead is... The Podding Dead. The one thing it will always have going for it is it's better than Fear the Walking Dead. So, you know... Well, I've heard that. otherwise, actually. Well, Fear the Walking Dead has had a, an injection of new life in the form of uh, Lenny James and Maggie Grace. So uh, that has uh, mixed things up a little bit. But, uh, but it's, it's, but I do, it's been the lesser it, show. Just feels like it goes on and on and on and just to no end. Well, that's that's the... Uh, that's life. That's the zombie condition for you, Nick. Yeah. Very last thing is, uh, this news broke as we were recording the podcast, that The Crow, Corn Hardy's The Crow with Jason Momoa, which seems cursed, endlessly cursed, appears to be off again. On, off, on, off, on, off, Boo. off again. Yeah. Uh, which is very, very Sucks. sad. Yeah, it does. Yeah. No Crow. No crow. That's not crow about that. Uh, very, very sad news. And we hope that they, it comes back uh, in the future. Corin has been trying to get this off the ground for a long, long time, right? That's a shame. Yeah. I think, uh, again, we've been talking about this on the podcast for probably five years. I would say five years. Yeah. Well, in fact, he was on our live show in Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Film Festival. That was, what, three, four years ago? 
And uh, he even then he was showing like little crow things and going, this is, you know, establishing my credentials. I was a big crow fan when I was 17. Here I am dressed as a crow. And, you know, now look, anyway. Well, fingers crossed it all comes back together again. Uh, okay, now time for a word from our sponsors. As you know, this week's podcast is sponsored by Sky Cinema, which gives you unlimited access to the best movies at home whenever and wherever you want in the best possible way. I have been a Sky Cinema subscriber for many years now. I love the choice they offer. They have over a thousand quality movies on demand ready for me to enjoy whenever I want. First up is American Made, in which Tom Cruise does his thang as Barry Seal, an airline pilot turned drug smuggler and gunrunner for the CIA and Pablo Escobar's cartel down in Colombia. Uh, this is a biopic. Barry Seal was a real guy. This is a true story. Although I think director Doug Lyman does take some liberties with Seal's story, but he fashions a really fun ride for the most part as Barry Seal, who is played by Cruz at his swaggering, smiling best, tries his best to run rings around his handlers at the CIA and Pablo Escobar, while also trying to keep his wife happy at home. Uh, it's a lot of fun, very, very sippy movie. It takes a lot from the Goodfellas playbook of biopics. And it's great to see Lyman and Cruz, who, of course, linked up to such great effect on Edge of Tomorrow, knocking it out of the park once again. And there is a serious undertow to this side as well. So there you go. American May, that is my main recommendation this week. And if you're in the mood for something a little funnier, then why not check out in the animation section of Sky Cinema the Lego Batman movie, which sees Will Arnett voicing the Cape Crusader once again to fine anarchic form. And this is very much a spin-off from the Lego movie. So again, it has that wild, wacky tone, lots of great sight jokes, so many gags, just bombard you with jokes. And Will Arnett, for my money is up there with the likes of Michael Keaton and Christian Bale and George Clooney as the best big screen Batman. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. The Lego Batman movie. So there you go. America Made, Lego Batman movie. And that is it for my recommendations for Sky Cinema this week. Join me next week for more Sky Cinema related fun. Time now for this week's guest. Uh, he is, I say this with everybody, but he is one of our favourite actors. He, he started out on the small screen shooting wry glances to camera relentlessly as Tim in the British version of The Office. And since then, he has forged a fantastic career on both the big screen and the small screen. You'll know him, of course, as Dr. John Watson in Sherlock, Ever K. Ross in Captain America Civil War and Black Panther, and Bilbo Baggins in those Hobbit movies that Nick likes so much. He is, of course, Martin Freeman, and he can be seen this week uh, walking through the outback, trying desperately to stop being eaten by zombies in the fantastic Australian horror film Cargo, which is now available on Netflix. Our John Nugent went along to speak to him last week in London, and I haven't heard it yet, but I'm sure they had a lot of fun. And you know what? You will too. Enjoy. We're thrilled to welcome to the Empire Podcast, Martin Freeman. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Thank yeah. you very much for joining us. Um, so we're here to talk about Cargo. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is not your first zombie movie, if I'm right in saying. <laughs> technically, yeah. Technically, I did a day on Shaun of the Dead yeah. um, as a sort of uh, visual joke to be uh, <laughs> Simon's um, equivalent in, yes. the, in the other group. Uh, but yeah, it's my first sustained time with some zombies, yeah. This is this is quite different to Shaun of the Dead, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes. Um, I mean, would you say this even fits in the zombie genre? I mean, such? I guess it does, you know, and... I think as I've said um, publicly, and now it's taken on its own life, oh, you know, Martin doesn't like zombies, you know, it's a genre he dislikes. I don't even know that I dislike it. It's just not something that I had had my eye on. And when I read the script of Cargo, the, the zombie aspect of it wasn't the, the first thing that appealed to me. Mm. Um, what really appealed to me was the, you know, survival of a family and, the, you know, the father's desire to get his daughter to safety. That obviously resonated with me more than anything else because that's real and last and zombies aren't quite real sorry <laughs> folks, but um and i like the i like the sort of level that they're at in cargo mm. they're kind of part of the they're part of the tapestry of the film but they're not sort of front and center mm. but the fear of them kind of is and it's also it's i guess you could call it a survival movie but it's a survival movie where your child is is the survival at key, I suppose, isn't it? Yes, because um, well, I suppose we can say now because uh, because I'm I'm not necessarily going to make it, <laughs> uh, but but I've got to make sure that she does. Yes, um, and also and we and we get the help of uh, 
the character to me, who's yes. an eleven-year-old girl who helps us uh, with that, and we we help each other to sort of find home. Really. Yeah, yeah. And this is based on a on a short film, isn't it? Yeah, it's from from YouTube. Were you aware of yeah. that that film? I was. Yeah. I mean, well, I was sent it. <clears throat> excuse me. I was sent it at the same time. I was sent the script, um, and Ben Howling and Yolanda Ramke made this uh, short mm. several years ago. Um, and it was intriguing as a short. Um, I liked it, but also the, the screenplay, the feature screenplay, uh, padded it all out—not padded it out, but but it kind of fleshed it out rather um, to make sense of a of a whole story. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought the the short was really good in that you it, you're sort of left. That's the kind of culmination of of the film in a way of the of the screenplay. Mm. So you are left kind of thinking, well, how the hell did they get here? You know, just that image of, you know, a sort of empathetic zombie. <laughs> a zombie yeah. that is still human in a way. You know? Yeah. And it's it's set in Australia, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and that country has a bit of a post-apocalyptic tradition in, in movies. Mm -hmm. Does it help mm -hmm. being on location in a country like that? With you're sort of in the wilderness and you don't see anyone for Well, I'd certainly, miles. yeah, I'd never been in the outback before. Yeah. And so I'd never filmed uh, anywhere quite like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess it does. Environment always impacts what you do and what you write, and you know how how we think. And yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that was helpful. And for me, as an English person, it was it was just really lovely to to be in an environment where you know oh, there's emus and there's <laughs> dingoes and yeah. there's uh, you know kangaroos yeah. sort of hopping by. It was fantastic. Yeah. Sunshine. Sunshine. Well. <laughs> yeah. That's quite a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah always. Um, but I mean, what was the shoot like? Because without wanting to give too much away, you know, there's a, there's a scene at one point where you have your head literally in, in the sand, mm. you know, is it quite an intense shoot? Was it, was yes, it, it was. It was intense. Full on? Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, as, as you will be aware, um, smaller budget things tend to be intense because yeah. you, you can't sit around. Yeah. Um, doing anything but getting to work you yeah. know so um, it was about was it a five week shoot maybe I know I was there for not very long yeah. um, those things are always intense but you add the outback to that and you add sort of mosquitoes the size of golf balls to yeah. that and flies and dust and heat and all of that you know? and again for the Aussies that was less of a problem because they were more used to that stuff <laughs> Um, but I wasn't used to that. You know, it was, um, yeah. yeah, I'm not trying to paint it as like it was my own private hell or anything, but, um, but yeah, it was not comfortable. Yeah. It was not yeah. the most comfortable shoot I've ever done. No. We were talking about Australia. I'd love to talk a little bit about New Zealand because yeah. obviously this is a place that you've spent yes. a lot of time in. Uh, I yeah. went on holiday there this month, actually. Did you? Completely fell in love with the Just place. holiday or was it working? Just a Well, I had a wedding to oh, go right. to, but, uh, yeah. I've got family there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's it's, it's good, a country it? you fall in love with it's instantly. Nice, it? Yeah, it's um, really good. I was just wanted, to, you know, what's your wanted to know what your favourite place in New Zealand was. Do you have any like? Is there somewhere that's particularly <coughs> special to you? Well, I mean, we we toured around a bit. Yeah. Uh, on the Hobbit. Yeah. Um, and so many places in this on, in the South Island were beautiful mm. and mind blowing. Um, as far as just sort of looking. Looking like they'd just been made in a in a fantastic yeah um, factory or something um, <laughs> like on oh, this mountain has just been built for you yeah. to come and use for this film. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I didn't spend any time anywhere as long as I did in Wellington. You know, we were all, we were yeah. based in Wellington. <clears throat> um, I didn't get that much time off when I was there. I mean, not, not time where I could go away to other places anyway. Um, that was the place that I was most familiar with and, I, and I, I liked it. It was, I was there for longer than I've ever been anywhere else apart from London. Right. So, so it kind of did, you know, New Zealand does feel a little bit like a, a second home. Yeah. 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 Wellington's got a lovely feel to it. It has, yeah. It and has. I've it's small, but still... You know, it's a bit groovy and a yeah, bit busy. It's and got an alternative edge yeah, to it. Yeah, it has, yeah. 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 And uh, I really enjoyed Hobbiton as well, which, um, yeah, yeah. you know, probably didn't have a gift shop when you were there, but it was it's yeah, I think quite it was starting. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, think, I think all that was getting going. Yeah. But it's, it's much more um, up and running now, I think, yes. the Hobbiton experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've been sent 
pictures by friends who are, <laughs> by, you know, by Bilbo's door and stuff yeah. like that. It's uh, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, it's pretty magical. And it's, and the fact that it is magical, I think, kind of makes sense that it's in New Zealand, even though obviously it wasn't, you know, it wasn't written about New Zealand. And it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't destined to happen in New yeah. Zealand. But, um, but there are very um, optimistic. Yes. Nation, actually, because yeah. you know, they're new. That you know, compared to us, they're very young, yeah. and um, and they they're still optimists. <laughs> do you yes. know what I mean? Whereas I, I guess we probably stopped being that in about 1900. I suppose <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, culturally, right. they are still on the up. Yeah, um, they think things are possible, and yeah. it's a lovely. And so there is a kind of magic there, because even in a country relatively, a, it's a small country. There are still places, I think, you know, from from what I understand, that you know, when they're scouting locations, there's still places where people go, "Well, no yeah. one's ever seen this bit before." You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it very much. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love to just talk briefly about Marvel, if if, if you don't mind, um, kind of feel obliged to you as Empire. It's it's, it's been, I think, it's been four months since Black Panther. Um, yes. And it's just kind of exploded. It's, it's, mm. It was a kind of a phenomenon. Now the the dust has sort of settled mm-hmm. a bit. What's, how do you feel about that reaction? I mean, I think the extent of it took us by surprise, definitely. Yeah. Um, we felt we were making a good and exciting film while we were doing it. We yeah. knew there was an audience for it, and we knew that it was ready to be received by some people with open arms. But we also knew we had to make a good film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because however much people are looking forward to something or how much anticipation there is, if you deliver something and it's subpar... Yeah. Um, you know they're not stupid they're not going to fall for it yeah. and I think we stroke Ryan Coogler stroke Marvel did a fantastic job with it you know? yeah um, the marketing was smart as well yeah soundtrack was great um, it was timely yeah. but a- apart from all of that it was an exciting sort of thrilling film you know yeah. with good heroes and yeah. good baddies <clears throat> and it's there was slightly more you know I like Marvel films because they're not they are a bit more layered actually a lot of the time but mm. this you know I think this was even more so yeah very the baddies much so. weren't quite so they weren't just bad I mean Andy Serkis is a great baddie <laughs> but um, Eric Killmonger is a baddie who everything he says you go oh it's kind of got a point there. yeah you know he's sort of right <laughs> yeah um, you know I'm glad he didn't win you know because yeah. I don't want someone like him ruling a major country but uh, but yeah he's, nothing he said was not true have you seen Infinity War yet? No, I haven't. No, not yet. You haven't? No, not yet. No, man. Wow. Okay. So I, I, I can't spoil it for you at the end then. <sighs> yeah, go on then. Well, <laughs> well, I was just going to ask because, uh, you know, many people die in, in that film without mm-hmm. wanting to go into specifics. Yeah. But I just wanted to know if Everett Ross is still alive. The plan is, yeah. I think yeah. All the, the hope is, that, uh, as far as I know, he is, yeah. Yeah. So you think he survives Thanos' wrath? That's, as far as I understand it, and yeah. again... I guess it's not written in blood, but I, th- <laughs> I think I'm pr- preparing to do another one. Yeah. <laughs> Whether Marvel knows that or not, yeah. I'm just going to demand. Talk <laughs> to Kevin Feige and go, look, well, I'm here. Okay. They say, but you're dead. I say, I don't care. So it could just be you. Yeah, I'm doing a milk round. <laughs> Everett Ross has moved on. He's not in the government anymore. He's just a travelling knife grinder. <laughs> Everett Ross, Milkman. That's, Milkman. That's a movie I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> Going very slowly in a milk float towards certain death. Well, we very much look forward to that. <laughs> Martin you. Freeman, thank you so much. Thanks, for time. Thank you. Time now for this week's reviews. Let's start with Cargo, actually, which is on Netflix uh, as of Friday, I believe. Uh, this is, for me, a really surprising, really interesting horror film. Shares a little bit in common with A Quiet Place. Uh, in that it is a post-apocalyptic thing. Uh, zombies have taken over the world. Uh, Martin Freeman, who is an expat living in Australia, and his wife and their young baby daughter are trying desperately to stay alive some weeks after the attack has happened. They're they're on a riverboat heading down uh, the river in Australia trying to stay away from slow-moving Romero-style zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of this movie is once you get bitten, you have 48 hours and you have a little Fitbit type thing that, that tells you how long you have before you turn into a zombie. It's not giving away too much, I think, to say that someone gets bitten very early in this film and knows that they're about to turn into a zombie and then spends the rest of the movie trying desperately in the fastness of the Australian outback to find 
somebody to take care of the people that they're going to leave behind. Uh, so it's a really interesting film. It's a elegaic movie. It's an emotional film. It's not concerned with jump scares at all. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It's anchored by a really, really great performance by Martin Freeman. Uh, it's a really interesting, really interesting combination that comes together very, very nicely and will stay with you long after the end credits roll. So Cargo, four stars. I gave it four stars for Cargo. Good stuff indeed. Helen, you were going to talk about Francois Ozon's new movie, Le Mans Double. Double. I was, c'est ça, mon dieu. I can't. Double. 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 Yes, so this is uh, the story about uh, Chloe, who's played by Marine Vache. Um, she was a model. She is now an art gallery person who works in an art gallery. Um, and she's trying to figure out um, her problems by going to a psychotherapist whose name is Paul. He's played by your favourite, Chris, Jeremy Renier. Jeremy Renier. Très bien. Um, however, their professional relationship is not entirely professional because this is, after all, a French film and that means where an American film might have explosions, the French have... Explosions of a different kind. That's right. Shall we say? Mm -hmm. uh, so this uh, it begins gynecologically, let's say, and doesn't really <laughs> stop that. Um, there is again, as you would expect, lots of kind of Freudian analysis, uh, imagery, uh, sort of just a, a, a mess of psychosexual. Well, I mean, that, piffle is the word that our reviewer, Alex Godfrey, has used. That's so weird, Mum. Uh, Helen. <laughs> Helen, Mum. No. Oh. Oh, that's wrong. That's really upsetting. Um, but it is, um, it's it's a kind of a doppelganger story in a way as well. I think he goes a little bit spoilery in the review, so I'm trying to tread around yeah. some stuff that yeah. he said. You so, don't mention the full of Madonna with the big boobies. <laughs> that was an unexpected third act. Listen term. very carefully. I will say this <laughs> only once, okay? Ozon is, basically, if you like his films, I think you're probably, you might still like it, but it's not maybe his best stuff. It very much divided the critics ever since it premiered, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, our, our Godfrey's, uh, Alex has gone for... Godfrey. 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 Um, Alex has gone slightly on the downside of the line... You'd be more on the upside. I was a little bit more upset, but not. I, I can absolutely see everything he's saying here. To be honest, and I find it very hard to argue. But he's uh, he's called it a disappointingly superficial romp, and and he he is kind of right. I, I just quite like that it's quite stylish, but you know it's not unfair. So anyway, uh, two stars for La Mont Double. Uh, so there we go, uh, and that is it for this week's Emperor Podcast. Join us next week for more film-related fun. Where we'll be joined by Andy Circus. Ooh. How exciting. Wait, hang on. So we've just had Martin Freeman and now we're going to have Andy Circus. Yeah, we've <gasps> yeah, so we've gone we've Riddles had Bilbo. In the dark. I know, we've had Bilbo. We've had Gollum. It, it, who's next, Helen? Thorin Oakenshield. Aragorn. I mean, that would be mad, wouldn't it? <laughs> if Richard Armitage was a guest on the podcast after this one, that would be mad, that wouldn't it? That would be it? mad. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from the frankly disinterested Nick Dissemlian. <laughs> <laughs> it's goodbye from the agent of chaos that is James Dyer Excelsior <laughs> he's fully on board with Stan Lee now he loves it I do love Stan oh it. I love him goodbye from Helen toodaloo and it's goodbye from me I'm off to have a, a drink with Moira hey Moira how do you fancy having a drink with me I'm sorry Chris I am washing my hair oh thanks for listening everyone see you next week bye <laughs>